Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Meredith. Hello. Hello. We are uh, experimenting with a new web studio set up, so that's exciting. I've never in my life done this before, and I was just telling Meredith before we started recording Technology has changed a lot over the past 10 years, and I can't believe how easy it is now to record a podcast Ugh. and like all of the audio editing shit is just done automatically now. These children don't know how good they have it. They really don't. And it does kind of explain why everyone has a podcast now. It does. Before, back in the day, I mean, we had to hand edit everything every little gain movement i mean this is boring unless you're a sound engineer but it used to be very hard to edit audio back in the day and now i was just telling uh meredith we're using riverside which is a great web studio they merge the tracks for you they have something called magic editor which does the shit that used to take me two hours and about five seconds <laughs> it's amazing and i am a little mad i'm a little mad at how easy the kids have it these days well they, you know they don't know this is when we have to put on our big boy pants and remember <laughs> that just because it's easier for other people doesn't mean that we're being disrespected it's okay that some people get it a little better than no. us no I think they should cut taxes for billionaires. I think we need a longer work week. I think people should work on Sundays. And I'm a Republican now. So <laughs> I'm that mad. I'm so mad I'm a Republican. Yeah. Well, this is a big day for me, too, because we are recording using my fancy new microphone that I purchased. Breaking news. So. Breaking news on Light Trees and News. Meredith is a fancy woman now. Mm -hmm. And she has a very nice microphone. So we hope you enjoy the updated sound quality. Um, and yeah, oh, before we, we have fun the rest of the episode, I should say at the top of the show, thank you to everyone who sent me very nice messages about poor little Penny passing away. Um, I am very sad, so we're not going to talk about it too long, but I felt I should say something on the show because she was, you know, basically a mascot for the show for the past decade <laughs> along with along with Desi so I wanted to say thank you to everyone who sent uh, well wishes and messages of love and support they were very much appreciated um, Desi's doing fine although I think he's a little bit confused um, the first couple days he was doing this very sad thing where he kept hiding under the couch because that was the last place he saw her <gasps> I know. I know, Meredith. Um, but he is no longer doing that. I have been um, probably enabling his behavior because I've been sleeping on the couch in the living room because <laughs> I don't want to leave him alone. Um, but yeah, I think he's moved into the acceptance phase and he's doing much better. But I'm sure it's confusing, you know, like he... They were from the same litter. He grew up with her. She, they were always together. So um, it's a it's a transitional period for Desi, too, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those times when we can be legitimately happy that he is not the brightest boy. Oh, yeah. I, I really was like, I hope his dumbness saves him. Although, like, okay, one more sad thing and then we can move on. I promise. I promise. But... 
it made me sort of reassess. I was like, oh, maybe he's not as dumb as I think he is. Before I took her to the vet for the last time, I brought her over to him to, like, say goodbye. And he kissed her head. Oh. I know. I know. So I think he knew shit was going down. But honestly, everybody, she was so old. And she had such a long, happy life. And it, her quality of life at the end was not great. And I'm I'm very glad she's at peace now. So... Don't be sad. We had a lot of time with Penny. Um, everybody's going to be okay. But yeah, I did want to thank everyone. And while I'm thanking people, I also wanted to thank David, who sent a very nice donation into the show. Thank you, David. Very much appreciated. And Althelia, my newest supporter over at Patreon. And what a great name. So thank you so much to both of you, I really appreciate it, especially now. Your support means more now than ever because shit is rough right now. Um, so if you haven't done so yet, please go to patreon.com slash Kilkenny or lighttreason.news and smash that donate button. Before we get to recommendations, and I'm going to read some of your uh, recommendations and comments over at my Patreon Meredith, I wanted to get a Euro Cup update from you because this has been your life the past few weeks. Yes. Well, you know, <laughs> I love me some European competition. But uh, yes, thank you, soccer, for keeping me entertained at a time when I am still having to work from home because I don't have an office. Uh, today, uh, at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, England is playing Italy in the final. And, uh, that has led to, well, a lot of very English behavior, um, mm. among fans. So a lot of colonizing? <laughs> a lot of colonizing, a lot of drunkenness, a lot of grown men running around with, uh, flags as uh mm. as their capes um as i described it a bunch of people it, you know it's it definitely that you know people running around singing sweet caroline and uh wearing a lot of red and white grown men in body paint um it's just you know one of those things but we'll see i am not rooting for england because i don't want any good things to happen to them since they decided to screw all their people with Brexit. So, yeah. yeah, we we hope you uh continue to be punished for Brexit. Um I apologize if you are uh, an English listener who didn't support Brexit, no. but No. Well, um, I luckily and this is what I think because it's sport it's okay to prefer the hotter <laughs> team win. Oh yeah, well that the whole reason we have organized sports is so we have a healthy channel for all of our worst impulses. Yes. So tribalism, um preferring pretty people over uh less pretty people. It it's a controlled organized event where you can sort of unleash all of those tendencies and no one will get hurt. Yes. Um, um, and relatively speaking, yeah. yeah. Also, you know, just for anyone who's sort of wondering why I might have such a negative feeling towards Britain, aside from the colonizing, uh, Harry Kane is basically the Tom Brady of soccer. Okay. And, uh, 
Which means he sucks a lot. I mean, he's extremely sure. good. He is sort of a machine. He doesn't seem to have much going on other than like an interest in peak performance. And he definitely has been lionized in the way that Tom Brady and the Patriots were treated. So generally speaking, you just got to root against somebody who's essentially Britain's Tom Brady. <laughs> sure. Is he also married to like a supermodel? Uh, no, he's married to like his high school sweetheart. Um, they're, you know, they're they're pretty basic. OK, yeah. so, it you know, nobody's going to quite beat the douchiness of Tom Brady. No. But- well, and it, it's unfortunate, too, because they don't have that vibe of, like, chaviness that so many earlier <laughs> generations of football players and their wives had. Like, right. we are not we're not talking about wags here. So that's kind of, oh, kind of disappointing. Oh, that's too bad. That is too bad. That's one of the more charming aspects. Yeah. <laughs> Professional soccer players. I love wags. Um, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I here's the thing though. Italy, you can't have everything. You know what I mean? You can't win Eurovision and the Euro Cup. Like, come on. I mean, can't you? It's not. I yeah. mean, they probably will, honestly, but I'm sort of like spread around some of this charm, you know? Yeah. I mean, I suppose that's true. But, you know, if they won the Euro Cup, then maybe there would be a celebration where Monaskin plays. You never know. <laughs> Meredith's fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that make that seems like the logical choice, right? It's like you're so dominant in these two arenas. Why not have the Eurovision winner? play at a Euro Cup victory party. That would be amazing. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Which, by the way, if you don't follow them on Instagram, you absolutely should. Uh, One of the better decisions I've made (laughs) recently. Oh, yeah. It's just eyeliner and men wearing lingerie. And it's it's great. It's a good fucking time. Yeah. You know, we're going through a tough period right now as a I was going to say as a country, but really as a planet. And there's just a few nice things in life and men wearing lingerie and eyeliner is one of them. Yeah. So, so treat yourself is what I'm saying. Um, so, but any other Euro cup thoughts before I move into, uh, reading some messages and we do recommendations? Uh, not in particular. I was sad that Denmark lost to England. Uh, they put in a very, very solid performance and they just got outplayed. Um, but it just would have been a nice story. It would have been a better storyline if the Danes had come together and defeated England to get to the final in honor of their uh, their team captain and like best player who collapsed and had a heart attack on the field during their first. Oh, home that's match. right. So. That's right. Wow. Um was that the crazy game? I just saw some people on Twitter like losing their minds about one of the matches, and I didn't know if it was that game. Uh, no, that one was everybody losing their minds because he literally like almost died like on the field. Um, this was- no, no, no. This was no, no, no. Not when, oh, you not, mean- I remember. I remember that happening. Something like wild happened during one of the matches. Um, that didn't have to do with somebody having a heart attack. Oh gosh, I mean nothing that I can. I mean. There were several wild things that happened. Lots of really exciting uh, tie games that, uh, and then sudden, you know, suddenly equalizing at the last second and then forcing things into overtime. A couple of really spectacular penalty shootout misses by players that should have been able to do better. But uh, 
it was it was your normal levels of craziness largely so i can't pinpoint one nobody nobody punched anybody nobody bit somebody's <laughs> ear uh nobody did a headbutt was pretty like pretty simple <laughs> sad all I want are wags and uh, men biting other men. And I don't know why I can't have nice things. Well, you know, you could just do, I mean, get into hockey. At least there's fighting. <laughs> no, that truly is the solution to that. Just get into hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get into hockey. That would really fix a lot of my problems. So uh, Jay wrote into my Patreon. I apologize, by the way, if anybody can hear me hitting my microphone. I did, like I changed my setup slightly and I'm a mess. It's all right. I'll adapt. It'll be fine, everybody. So Jay writes in, I'm wondering what your thoughts are about participating in self-defense classes in person or online when some of the people involved in either instruction or curriculum have been public elsewhere about right-wing views. Uh, I won't get too much into the particulars of my situation, but I'm having a hard time deciding if I can take whatever good instruction and ignore what they have said elsewhere, or if giving them money is ultimately helping their other agendas as well. I know I ultimately have to make the decision, but if you have any input or have been in a similar situation, I'd be interested to hear it. Um, So great question. This is actually a huge problem in the self-defense community. Um, So first of all, I just want to go back to what you were saying about online self-defense classes. I'm sure you could like pick up some helpful tips, but in terms of learning anything practical, you have to spar. Otherwise, um, <clears throat> there's really no way to duplicate how it feels when somebody like grabs you and is trying to fight you. Uh, you can watch somebody do a move a thousand times, but it's a very different experience when you're like on the mat trying to fight somebody who's potentially bigger than you. You know, there's really no way to duplicate that. So I would say if you're actually trying to, like, learn self-defense, there's no substitute for uh, sparring. So, but having said that, yeah, I I completely know what you're talking about. I was fortunate enough in New York City, you know, we have an, uh, enough options of schools where I went to a school where... Um, you know, not to say that all of the teachers are liberal or anything like that, but they at least knew enough not to share that shit <laughs> if they felt a certain way when they were, like, teaching class or one-on-one. You know, like, whatever they were saying elsewhere, I have no idea. But, like, my favorite instructors, I I, I, I learned at Marcelo Garcia's academy. My favorite instructors there were either liberal or, like... Uh, leftish extending to moderate, but no right wing, you know? Uh, but I did have a situation where uh, someone who worked at this school who actually I was friends with, I was very fond of uh, this person. He was a huge Joe Rogan fan and he knew that I am very left wing. So I think he was just like an intellectually curious guy and he would be like, Hey, Allison, I heard uh, Joe say this the other day. What do you think about that? And he would always sort of want my take on something that Joe had said, which was very sweet, but also like it put me in a position that was sort of mentally draining where every time I saw him, I had to respond to something that Joe Rogan had said on his show, which got old after a while. But like, fortunately, you know, um, a lot of the women who uh, I fought 
at the academy were also very liberal and they just thought it was hilarious that I always had to respond to something that Joe Rogan said. So it, it wasn't like a hostile environment. It was sort of this like funny thing we laughed about, you know? Yeah. Well, but and- having... <laughs> Yeah, say, you know, you weren't getting paid to be on Joe Rogan's podcast, which, let's face it, <laughs> uh, if you're going to have to respond to all of his points. You should at least be getting some of that sweet, sweet Spotify money. And that's the thing. And also, like, you know, you, you go the whole reason I, I like to fight or I used to fight is it would get me out of my head, you know, so it was very like meditative for me. So it was draining in the sense that I knew anytime I saw him, I was going to have to like intellectually dismantle some dumb shit Joe had said, which is tiring, you know? Um, But uh, so to answer your question, I don't know where you live, so I don't know like what your options are for schools, but I would just say like, and again, I don't know what kind of self-defense or anything like that. You know, a boxing gym is very different than a jujitsu academy. Jujitsu people tend to be a little more open-minded, a little more liberal, I have found. Um, but yeah, like, is this an MMA gym? Is this a CrossFit gym? You know, <laughs> very, very d- different cultures, depending on like what kind of uh, self-defense you're you're trying to learn. But I would say if you have options, like if you live in a, a larger city, just see what's out there, because it's not fair to say that everyone in the self-defense community is right wing. That's just simply not true. So chances are you can find somebody who, you know, if does if they don't have your exact political um, orientation, then they at least will like not go there. <laughs> you know, like there's really no reason to have a political discussion when you're teaching someone self-defense anyway. Um, but like I, I knew about people uh, like trans people who wanted to learn self-defense. And these are considerations you have to make, right? Like, will they allow me to use a certain changing room? Um, will people want to spar with me? Or are they transphobic? Are they going to make it a whole thing? You know, like sometimes you do have to make those political decisions for your own safety. But um yeah, Jay, like I know it, it that's a shitty situation because when you fight somebody you're putting a lot of trust in someone. Um and to find out they're like this asshole right winger, it makes you feel very unsafe. So definitely don't put yourself in a situation where you feel unsafe, you know? There are options out there. Um yeah, I hope that helps a little bit and also like you can message me further details if you want to tell me like what kind of self-defense, where you live, stuff like that. So um, we can see if you have options, you know. Um, So Brian writes, well, since it seems individual episodes of podcasts are on the table. uh, Wait, did I read this already? Brian, I don't remember. I'm Hold on. Beep, beep, beep. I'm going to skip this for now because I don't know if I read this (laughs) (laughs) or not on the show. Um, I don't think I read this. Uh, Aaron writes, I have a book recommendation for you. It's called Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Lessons from the Crematory. Uh, Let's call it a humorlessly morbid memoir. The author, Caitlin Dowdy, describes her experiences as a young mortician in macabre detail, but not without a flair of dark humor. I think I know Caitlin Dowdy. I think she was like big on Twitter. She was. Um, I think that she, there there were a couple of like young hip 
morticians that got big on social media a few years back. So it may be. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if I'm thinking of Caitlin or if I'm thinking of one of the other ones, mm-hmm. but I think I, it was Caitlin. Caitlin describes day to day details of her work and how her work helped shape the person she would become. Caitlin also asks philosophical and practical questions about death practices like why do we have certain death practices and what kind of environmental impact do they have? It's a great book. Really got me thinking about things that hadn't occurred to me before reading. That is a great recommendation. Thank you, Erin. And again, it's called Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Lessons from the Crematory. Um, Yeah, I she's great. Um, I think she was the person who was posting a lot about what was happening during COVID and uh, how it was impacting poor communities in terms of making like funeral arrangements, which was super interesting because obviously that was like one of those things I hadn't considered um, during the pandemic. So she was providing like a great social service as well. Yeah. Um, So thank you again. If you're a supporter of, of mine over at Patreon, you can send questions, comments, recommendations at any time. It is a rolling document. So, and if you've sent a few already, don't hesitate to send more. That's one of the perks you get for supporting mine. You get to bother me whenever you want, basically. Um, so, Meredith, I wanted to get to recommendations for us. Yes. Um, so you go first because I just talked a lot. Uh, well, first off, I highly recommend the book True Story. Uh, it is uh, which I picked up after a recommendation from a friend of mine uh, and was uh, on the list for the Shirley Jackson Awards. So it was one of the novels that was done. And those are, uh, I find, really great recommendations are really great suggestions um whenever i look those up so i immediately put holds on for every single book i could find in my library that was on that list um it is by uh let me just make sure i get her name right um it is by kate reed petty and uh it is super interesting and um it traces, I guess the best way to put it is the traces the fallout of a high school like rumor. So it definitely like covers a lot of stuff that people I think would be interested in. Um, also, another recommendation I have uh, definitely go see the movie Zola, which I saw in the movie theater yesterday. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous you got to see oh, it. It was really good. And I was really impressed by you know, a lot of things that like a lot of choices that the filmmaker made. And it really shows that it was made by a woman because it's not male gazy. Mm-hmm. All of the stripping scenes really emphasize um, the athleticism and the skill that's necessary. So you don't feel titillated. And there is a hilarious, like, despite how dark it is willing to get when it comes to actually dealing with the elements of that the story is about trafficking. Um, Mm. There is a scene that is just a hilarious montage of Johns coming in um, that (laughs) involves a bunch of very funny looking flaccid penises. And (laughs) yay. I I was just talking with someone about this. (laughs) 
Do you remember that there was a period in like the late 90s, early 2000s where the adult erotic thriller was still a genre in which Hollywood was making films and flaccid penises were displayed way more than any filmmaker dares to display them now? Oh, yeah. I mean, you couldn't. You couldn't swing a flaccid penis without hitting <laughs> another a movie. Another movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like so many films. Like I was just talking uh, with somebody about this in in regards to like Marvel films. Mm-hmm. Films are so sexless now. Yeah, and it's not like uh, it's. I'm not even talking about like we need like hardcore fucking in films because that's what porn's for, right? But just, like, the presence of adult sexuality is, like, non-existent in so many films now. So many mainstream films. Yeah, and... So it makes me really happy to hear that Zola... I mean, obviously, we knew Zola was going to have a lot of sex in it uh, because of the nature of, you know, the original Twitter thread and, and all of that stuff. But I was so initially nervous when I heard they were making it into a film because it could have so easily have been male gazing. Yeah. I mean, I think that what I was impressed by was that it the preview makes it seem very spring breakers like it's an it, you know mm. it's antics, it's funny, and there are some truly funny parts, and like there are some great performances uh cousin Greg from succession, Nicholas Braun is so perfect as the like loser boyfriend like he he nails being like that guy um mm-hmm. But they don't shy away from the darkness of it. And they really, like, tell the story in a way that made me feel like, oh, you respect that this was not a good time. Right. Right. Um, But I also think that that's because it was co-written and then directed by a woman of color who, like, actually took the time to figure out, you know, telling a story that didn't just make, you know, wasn't just about laughs. Um, And that is really nice. Um, but yes, I I now I've also you know I think more horniness in movies is really important. <laughs> horniness, sexiness. I think like I feel like it's probably true that that movies are less sexy and there's less erotic eroticism, largely because the global market is so important to film studios right. now. So, so you have to that. You, yeah, yeah, that that's always, you know, uh, Marvel's response to um I guess I I didn't actually recommend this on the show, but I can go ahead and do it now. Loki is great on on Disney Plus. And there was a very big to-do recently uh because canonically the character of Loki, I mean, going back to the original mythology <laughs> of the character, he's he's not only um He's really pansexual. Everybody keeps saying bisexual, but he's pansexual. He's gender fluid. I mean, he um, occasionally becomes animals. You know, that is like Loki's whole deal is that everything is fluid, right? Um, But Disney Plus's series got a lot of attention because Tom Hiddleston's version of Loki finally came out as bisexual. So, yay, great, right? However, because it's Disney Plus, (laughs) he just, like, says this, but there's, like, no indication or display of his sexuality at any time other than his um heterosexual love interest who's really another version of himself but i won't get into that um 
So a lot of people were critical because they were like, okay, it's great you said that he's bisexual, but you didn't show that he's bisexual. And it's like, right, because this is a Disney vehicle and they need to sell their wares in China and Russia, which is what they always say as a defense. They're like, we can't show certain stuff because we're trying to reach this audience. Here's the problem with that. Well, that's, I mean, it makes that, I mean, I think it's. I, Marvel stuff it's Disney owned like they were ne- they don't like to do anything sexy ever so but here, but here's the problem with that here that's always their defense right they always say that's why we can't do it they pirate your shit that's the that's the problem with them saying that they're like well we won't make as much money in the theaters and it's like but motherfucker they pirate your movies anyway so if they ever wanted to take an actual stance, they could show certain stuff and the audiences are still going to watch it in China and Russia because guess what? Gay and bisexual people also live in China and Russia. They just live under these incredibly author- authoritarian regimes where that could potentially like jeopardize their lives if they lived openly. Um, but I, I don't buy it. Like Disney says that shit all the time. They're like, we can't do this because then, you know, the governments won't show our films and it's like, they're still going to get seen like people will pirate it they'll still buy shit from disney if they can yeah but if If they they want the money if they wanted to be brave if they wanted to be brave because they're claiming that like there are some people on the inside now who are like prioritizing that sort of progressive messaging over the dollar it's like okay if that was true you could do it and it wouldn't damage you in any kind of meaningful way and my response to that is I'm sorry, you want Disney to be brave? <laughs> like, this, I completely buy that because I have absolutely no faith that, I, faith that either Marvel or Disney has any interest in actually being in anything other than making money. And, and like, look, <laughs> I don't want to downplay the significance of Loki saying he was bisexual because it was, like, very sweet to see on Twitter, like, you know, a bunch of LGBTQIA plus people it clearly meant a lot to a lot of people. So I don't want to downplay the significance of a Disney character saying that they're bisexual because it was big. Right. But for the people who were sort of waiting for something more, I was, I was just, I felt bad because I, I knew it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> you know, where it's like, this is Disney we're talking about. They're not going to have Loki hook up with a guy on their series. You know, it's just not going to happen as, as the institution stands right now. Um, But while we're talking about Disney, I also wanted to, I guess, lightly recommend Black Widow, if you will. I would say, like, it's a good, I was going to say two and a half star movie, but I'm going to go ahead and be generous and give it three stars because of Florence Pugh and Rachel Weisz. Um, They are wonderful to the point where... And I don't like reviewing stuff like this because I never want to, like, pit women against each other. But Florence Pugh is so good in this movie. I couldn't help but wonder what the moment was for Scarlett Johansson when she realized Florence Pugh was running away with the movie. Like, I want to know what scene had happened. I want to know what she looked like (laughs) when she was like, "Uh uh-oh. Because there had to be a conscious moment where she understood, oh, Florence is way better than I am in this movie. Her character is way more well-rounded than than Black Widow because Natasha, I mean, 
what they're trying to do in this movie is retrofit a character that was introduced to the MCU as a blow-up sex doll, basically. And when you don't have a good foundation, you can't really go back and retrofit like that. Um, so they try in this movie, but it's pretty artificial. It's really shaky. But what they do get to do in this movie is introduce uh, Yelena's character, uh, y- Yelena as a character played by Florence Pugh. So now they have like a fresh new character that they can actually establish as like a real person. <laughs> so she just has more to work with. So I do wonder if Scarlett Johansson had a moment where she was like, fuck, you know? I mean, I'm sure she did, but I can only imagine that given her continued support for Woody Allen, she probably was like, mm-hmm. fuck this, I got paid. Like, Oh, that's the thing. Like, I can't, I saw a lot of people sort of like bemoaning the fact that it took the MCU 10 years to do this. And, you know, spoiler, Black Widow's dead. So, like, doing a film <laughs> about her background is sort of like it's hard to get invested in a character who's no longer around. Right. So they, the MCU did this character dirty. Right. And I saw a lot of people like bemoaning that fact. It's hard to feel bad for Scarlett Johansson. Cause she's not a good person. Yeah. Like we talk about it all the time that she takes these roles that are supposed to be people of color. And she doesn't give a shit or she says she signs on to play like a transgender person and people get mad at her. And then she's like, what? And she like never apologizes for anything. She's like not a good person. So it's hard to be like poor Scarlett Johansson because she made so much money off of these films. Like who gives a shit? But at the same time, it's like I want little girls to grow up getting to see women on screen in these films as like actual people. Yeah. I mean, I will also say because, and I know we've had this fight over and over again, because I don't give a fuck about the MCU. I, I think little girls should just watch Hong Kong action movies where, uh, (laughs) there are women fighting or like Romeo must die because Aaliyah is really good in that. Um, maybe not Romeo must die because it's pretty violent. But <laughs> I, yeah, I think, no, I like, think like I, feel I think like, that's a valid yeah, point. Yeah, they, I think I think they should have those films. But also, like these films are so dominant. It's one of those things where it's like, listen, we live in an MCU world. That is just an inevitability. That's what films, big films, are MCU films now. Okay, so. Whether or not you like that or not, and I like I certainly could talk about uh, the the badness of that at length. My feeling is, okay, so we're stuck with these films. Why not have the best representation possible? Like the fact that we got Black Panther was so important for Mm -hmm. so many little black kids to see a black superhero. And it was like very touching to see little kids dressed up as Black Panther Uh, for Halloween and like it obviously like you know it's a cliche to say but representation is important Um, so I'm like okay so we're stuck with them let's have like good female characters and the reason I would give this three stars instead of two and a half is I'm really excited to see Florence Pugh in the MCU she was so good Um, I mean she's a great actress obviously but also it's just a better character She's like a real fucking person. And same with uh, Rachel Vice as well. So I'm like, look, if we had to put up with 10 years of Scarlett Johansson as a blow up sex doll, but we get Florence Pugh and Rachel Vice at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. So, and David Harbour is great too. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, and I, I guess like because I haven't watched the movie and I probably won't um, because I'm stubborn. Uh, 
I don't, I guess I don't understand why we couldn't have just, like, they couldn't have just made a movie that took the characters that were good and then just made that. Mm-hmm. Or made a movie that had characters, like, did we really need a Black Widow movie? Like, I don't think that every character in the Marvel universe deserves its own backstory, like, deserves its own standalone film just because they were in the Avengers. Like, she was a shitty character. Why don't we treat her like Hawkeye and not give them... Like, not give her something. Uh, oh, if you think Jeremy Renner hasn't been pushing for a Hawkeye film. Oh, I, like- <laughs> I definitely know he has. But, uh, yeah, I think. Well, and so I, I mean, the, here, you know, especially is, though. Oh, here, I'm going to say one more point and then you can get uh, you can respond. I think about this because there were uh, like a bunch. There was a Chang-Chi preview before Zola. So I thought and of course, like. God, he's hot. Um, (laughs) Like, I'll go see it because it has actors in it that I really like, like Tony Leung, who's an incredibly famous, like, legendary Hong Kong actor, um, Mm -hmm. is in it. And I will go see anything that actually does expand representation and tells a story that feels like that has been, you know, a footnote. Um, So I would just rather there was more going into those stories than to like call it representation to give Scarlett Johansson more money to be like not that interesting yeah <laughs> I, I I totally know what you're saying I think that they felt locked into having to do a Black Widow film because they've been promising Scarlett Johansson they were going to give her yeah I mean <laughs> I'm sure she was like in her contract so 10, it makes sense yeah it absolutely was it absolutely was and like she's like been waiting and you know t- to be honest it's like She's been in the films since the beginning. So it's like, yeah, if you're going to give everybody else a fucking film, you should give Black Widow a, a film as well. And it's not that Black Widow isn't a good character because characters are whatever you want them to be. Right. Mm-hmm. It's always in the hands of who's ever writing her story at the time. And I, I'll admit, you know, like I, I haven't been reading the comic books. I'm not up to speed. But what I've heard from people who are very in the know, who are very caught up on the comic books is the character of Black Widow now is great because the character was given to writers who actually cared about her <laughs> as a character and and realized she's not just a sex doll. And that's where all of like the cool background story of like her adoptive family and her being trained as like this Russian weapon basically uh, comes from. So it could have been better, but because we put up with 10 years of crap from the mcu now they're trying to play catch up and fix it and it was just too late um but moving forward it's like now we got florence Pugh. you know like to me that's an upgrade we we don't have scarlett johansson we've moved on and now we have florence Pugh. upgrade um so yeah it's it's a good time if you're already a fan of the films you'll enjoy it three stars please enjoy florence Pugh and rachel vice and then my very strong recommendation no no hedging for this one is season two of I Think You Should Leave, which is on Netflix right now. And it is so good. And it got to the point where there was so much anticipation for season two that, you know, when you hear people talking about something so much, you're like, all right, but is it going to be that good? There's no way it can live up to this hype. <laughs> All right, guys, let's all calm down. Yes, season one was funny. It wasn't like the best thing ever. All right, calm down. I know you're a fan of Tim. Meredith, I laughed so hard I cried. And I'm not saying that hyperbolically. I'm saying I literally cried. I was laughing so hard. And I can't remember the last time that happened. So 
it's so good. It's so weird. It's so absurd. And it's just fucking funny. So if you need something to just like take your mind off of <laughs> the horribleness of everything right now, uh, do check out season two of I Think You Should Leave. Oh, definitely. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any other real recommendations, but um, oh, if for some reason you have the Criterion Collection, there is a fantastic modern noir uh, collection that has a ton of spectacular movies, um, lots from the 70s and 80s, um, and they're just spectacular. Um, if you are somebody who didn't realize that Elliot Gould was extremely hot in the 70s, oh, these, yeah. you must watch these movies because that will do it for you. Get into it, yeah. Oh, speaking of people who we were supposed to believe uh, were hot and might have been hot, but in a very different way, I wanted to get your take on this. Okay. Okay. Billy Crystal, was he ever hot? No. Interesting. Okay. Because this is a very divisive thing. Um, so well, obviously this is in reference to when Harry met Sally era. Mm-hmm. Where, when we were supposed to believe uh, Billy Crystal was a leading man who could get Meg Ryan. Yep. He was once um, totally jacked and could wear short shorts, like the kind right. that you would wear if you like you were roller skating through Central Park in 1987. Um, so he had a good body, but absolutely mm-hmm. not. Like, no. So the one, the one selling point that I heard someone trying to convince – uh, others that Billy Crystal was hot was they were saying he was hot in the way that Jerry Seinfeld was quote unquote hot in Seinfeld in that he was like a young fit dude who was supremely confident and funny. Yeah. I is mean, that hot? But is that hot? I It is not hot to me. I think that right. like I don't – yeah. The second you said Jerry Seinfeld, immediately I like kind of did the <laughs> shiver of disgust. So well, here's the thing. it's hard to it's hard to look at it with like the fresh eyes of don't think about him now. Don't think about like every the cumulative knowledge of Seinfeld that you have now. Think of it as like you are one of the girls in Seinfeld. You meet this guy at a coffee shop. He's young, pretty fit, very funny, confident. Well, right. I mean, you'll go out with him because, like, that's what happens when people are, you know, walk around and have that that confidence. But what yeah. I say that that and also when you are successful, you and you have money, you can just tell people, well, yeah, I'm totally hot. And then, like, people believe you. <laughs> They're like, I guess you are. You have a boat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 100 percent. For sure. Uh, and that very much. So to me, I'm like, yeah, well. Of course they would have been getting, you know, they get the girls. Like, they're writing the roles for themselves. Um, also, I can't think about Jerry Seinfeld, even in, in like, the fictional universe of being attractive. Because while he was doing fictional <laughs> universe stuff, he was dating a teenager. And that was gross. I know. Well, that's, that's what's so hard to, like, try to consider. Where it's like, we know he's an asshole and we know, like, all of this stuff about him. But, like, strip that all away. Was it just this weird period in the 90s where... Un- I don't want to even say unattractive, but like guys, average guys could pass as hot. Yeah. I mean, that's the excuse for Jim Belushi's entire career. 
right. Okay. On that note, we got to get to some news items. Uh, guys, it's that time of the show. I'm so sorry. Here's your bad news. All right, so I guess we have to talk about climate change Ugh. if we're going to talk about bad news. I know, I know, but I like, I truly, when I sat down uh, before we were recording and I was like, what's like the big bad news item of, of yeah. recent, and, and really recent like, news cycle? Yeah, yeah and, and yeah, the ocean was literally on fire recently. <laughs> so yeah, Listen. we probably do have to talk about what we're doing to the world. Not only was the ocean on fire, then there was a separate news story about a huge fiery eruption in the ocean that I confused as the original ocean burning story. And I was like, wait a second, is there a second fire in the ocean right now? And the answer was yes. Of course there was more than one fire in the ocean. (laughs) When water catches on fire, you know we're fucked. There was also that uh, Twitter thread going around about the uh, the wet bulb thing. Did you see that? No, I didn't. So I won't even pretend to understand what the actual scientific definition of wet bulb is. But basically, it was about how usually when you perspire, it cools down your body. But there's a certain humidity level where uh, it actually water surface level water on your skin can act as insulation and make you even hotter. Hmm. So it's a really dangerous humidity level because like that's when people in like Russia start dying when it's only 85 degrees out and everybody's like, why are people dying? It's not even that hot. It's because the humidity level is at the wet bulb thing. Oh, and the, I have heard about some of these things and it's one of the reasons why, um, Heat waves like they had on the West Coast are so dangerous because now that nighttime temperatures aren't going down, right? Our bodies like there's not the cooling effects that allow us to like recharge. So depending exactly. on what's happening, you end and up like, like running wet, that risk. And the wet bulb readings used to be really rare, but now because of climate change, they're happening. Like it's, it's like just hundreds of days a year. We're at that level where it's like that dangerous humidity reading that uh, so many Americans don't even understand what that is. So uh, we're so used to just looking for like triple digit weather phenomenons, but it's like, it doesn't even have to be that hot for it to be deadly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a fun thought. <laughs> um, <laughs> just so, <laughs> so, so many, uh, so many different ways for us to die. To die. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I always think about that poll that came out where it was like, I forget the percentage of Americans who are convinced they could fight a bear if they needed to. Mm -hmm. And I just think that a lot of Americans think that they can't die very easily and they think they're way more invincible than we actually are. Like, we can actually die quite easily. Yeah, we are super fragile, all things Uh considered. Like, yeah. You can our you climate can. just needs to change a little bit, and we're all fucking yeah. dead. And I mean, but yesterday it was right. 130 degrees in Death Valley, uh, so we are already there. <laughs> yeah, and like 
If you've ever traveled um, and spoken to people who are not American, there is a stereotype of American. I mean, there's a lot of stereotypes of Americans, but one of our stereotypes is that we are aggressively optimistic people and we're very like, we can do it, you know? And I think there's a lot of good about that mentality, but the downside of it is we think we can't die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we actually think we're invincible. And it's like, no, if the humidity levels fluctuate slightly, we're talking about like a species ending event. Yes. And we are, because of global inequality and the way that we have fucked over poorer nations, the people who are like are already dying are going first. But that does not mean that we are immune from this. Like the rich countries are not safe. <laughs> and no, that, I mean, that's the thing. Like everybody's joking about like the billionaires leaving for space. But there's truth in that. Like they know that the, the climate change is real and that there's going to be large swaths of the planet that will be you know, inhabitable, and they're going to get the fuck off the planet. Although I did see a really fantastic Twitter thread uh, where someone who had worked at NASA broke down uh, and debunked (laughs) the idea that these billionaires are actually going to be able to escape and live any sort of decent life. Just talking about Mm. the the sheer amount of work that goes into keeping International Space Station uh, astronauts um, alive, like the number of people required, the number of times you have to fix things, the amount of work that that happens. So on some level, yeah, let them go to space. It sucks in space. Like it's miserable. Space wants to kill us. Um. I literally, I just tweeted that I will be, I'll only be happy if these billionaires promise not to come back. If they're like, I'm going to space and I'm never returning to earth, I will be at the front of the parade waving a banner that says like bon voyage elon musk <laughs> richard branson i wish you well floating in the abyss um but yeah i'm sure that's true but circling back to the aggressive optimism of of most um people billionaires are complete egomaniacal lunatics who think that they're gods so while I'm sure it is true that they wouldn't have a high quality of life in space, I bet they're like, I could fucking do it. I could go colonize Mars tomorrow if I wanted to. It's just that these people won't get out of my way, you know? Yeah. Government regulation is keeping me from setting up my perfect utopian Mars colony. Right, right. Yeah, they're lunatics. They think that they're like, yeah, they're gods. And they're like, if they just let me do whatever the fuck I wanted, I could colonize Mars. Yeah. Well, luckily, Elon Musk is so high on peyote all the time that he probably <laughs> like will never actually be able to get his shit together ever again. He, he can't. He can't get his shit together. Um, he can barely handle Grimes. Um, <laughs> so or, I'm sorry. He can barely handle Grimes as mommy. Uh, <laughs> who fucking hates him. Uh, so... Obviously, I wanted to talk about this because, you know, there's this uh, crazy heat dome over Canada that's killed, like, hundreds of people. Um, California's on fire. And here in New York City, I'm convinced we're going to be, like, Venice in 60 years, if if that many years. Because um, I don't know if you saw some of the footage of what happened during Hurricane Elsa when she was um, over us. Oh, I saw those videos. Jesus Christ. And, like, 
Listen, it's not even that unprecedented because of what happened with Sandy, but also anytime there's flash flooding in New York City, that is what happens to the subways. If you haven't seen the footage of the poor woman trying to wade through waist-deep water in the subway station to get to her train, it's it's horrifying. Yeah. And also, By the way, just don't do that also, like what? not just because it's gross, but because anytime there's standing water, you... There's so much electricity in the subway. I know. You can I know. definitely die. You you can very easily be electrocuted. But I have to say, there were a lot of people on Twitter who were like, LOL, why is she trying? I was like, here's the thing. Uh, poor people take the subway. No rich people take the subway. They take private cars everywhere or like helicopters. <laughs> um, <laughs> all I could think was like this poor woman why is she so desperate to get on that train? Like, what the fuck is she, like, trying to get home to? Is she going to get fired if she's late? Like, that's all I could think, where I'm like, why would she be willing to do that? She must be so desperate. Right. That's what I thought, too. I was like, oh, this, if you really, yeah, that don't, yeah, that's, it it occurred to me, too. And people were like, why doesn't she, like, get on a bus? Why doesn't she walk? Like, these people who don't live in fucking New York City, it's like, you want her to take a crosstown bus during rush hour, during a flash flood? Like, it's going to take, like, three hours versus if she just jumped on the train. Like, she's making the right calculation in the sense that she obviously has to get somewhere as soon as possible. The train's the fastest way to do it. I just felt so bad for her because I'm like, why does she feel like she can't wait for her own safety, you know? Yeah. And and that's, again, like, going to happen. Those are not – the subways, you know, where you get the big lakes, the standing water, the waterfalls, the water bubbling up from underneath, all of that stuff happens. It's not a, like it's only happening in the poor stations. Like, that shit happens in, like, park motherfucking slope. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, Park Slope floods constantly. Like during All Sandy, the time. Sandy, it was like underwater for a long time. Yeah, like it's it's wild. Um, but whenever anything like this happens, all I can think of is, and you know, the, like Florida got a lot of attention recently because of that horrible condo, uh, the collapse, explosion, basically mm-hmm. collapse. Yeah. Um, But that's going to continue to happen because, you know, obviously um, a lot of foundations are compromised because of water damage and and flooding in Florida and Miami. But, like, what are we going to do with all of these climate refugees? Because, like, Miami's going to be underwater. New York City is going to be underwater. We're talking about millions and millions of people who will have to move. Absolutely. What the fuck are we going to do? And it's not as if there aren't massive problems with the infrastructure that exists in the places where people might decide to run to. Um, the same, just because the shoddy construction work that led to the, that seems to be at the heart of the collapse in, in Miami, um, there's a hell of a lot of reinforced concrete, like steel reinforced concrete that was put together not very well. So (laughs) standing up to the elements, I think there's a pretty good reason to be concerned about what's going to end up happening. Um, So I do think like we're going to see, we'll see problems like this happening everywhere, just with different causes, you know. Um, But it'll be okay because um, Elon Musk will colonize Mars. And right. um, he'll take, I guess, whoever he wants. So everybody be super nice to Elon 
and um, maybe go live a horrible life on Mars. (laughs) (laughs) Like a horrible life on Mars. Horrible. Just dreadful. Like, you think there's going to be good Wi-Fi on Mars? There's not. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you, are you looking forward to hauling space dust day in, day out? <laughs> Working the mines in Mr. Musk's mine. <laughs> oh, Mr. Um, Musk's Mars mine. Yuck. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible Dr. Seuss book. But he, but he like, hand-painted the sign that says that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ew. Oh, gross. All right, guys. That's enough of the bad. Here's your good news. What if I just wanted to talk about Zola for 10 minutes? (laughs) Uh, You know, I would totally do that. Uh, when I heard about Jeremy O'Harris writing for it, I was like, okay, so they're serious. And then Janiza Bravo as director and writer. Uh, who's the third writer? Isaiah King. I was like. Well, look, Isaiah King, yeah, the Zola herself. And then yeah. they use reporting done by David Kushner from Rolling Stone to oh, flesh right. things out. So some of the real life stuff that he, when he reported on the real life story behind it and kind of teased out everybody's different versions of what happened versus that like they relied on it and it, he's it's credited in the movie that's so, awesome that yeah it's like you know obviously the the whole thread was so entertaining but i was like there's no way this is real right and then when like journalists got involved and they were like it is i was like oh shit <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah man taylor page she's gonna be huge she is definitely gonna be huge she's fantastic and also it's another example of riley keogh just crushing it can i just say like so i'm always railing against like nepotism and and shit like that she's like a shining example of somebody who's so good that you find out like she's hollywood royalty and you're like yeah but she's good (laughs) yeah and like Basically, as long as she's been acting, she's been making interesting choices. Really interesting choices. Come on, Mad Max. Like, she's so good. Um, Yeah. And and, and she's great in Logan Lucky. Mm -hmm. The Lodge is uh, deeply disturbing, and she's fantastic in it. Um, She's, like, not afraid. And in her performance in Zola, like, the devil. Like, she is a demon. I was so white Satan, one hundred percent. It's incredible. Hashtag white Satan. Um, yeah, no. When I I heard they had cast her, I was like, oh, that's such a good choice because that character could have been so fucking annoying. And like, I obviously haven't seen the film yet, but in the trailer, I was like, oh, she's perfect. Oh yeah, and you have to be pretty confident in your abilities to play a character that <laughs> is so so. Quicksilver and manipulative, but also genuinely traumatized. Yeah, and like, obviously, it's it's good because it it does center women of color. It's made by a woman of color, but you know, to have a white girl with those extensions and talking <laughs> the way she does, which you know. she will not stop calling her sis. It's so fucking funny. Where I'm just like, stop! <laughs> You're the worst person in the world. Oh. <laughs> It's so true. Um, yeah, I mean, just fantastic. Like, I, yeah, I'm super impressed and think that it's great that she seems to be pretty together. And somebody, my friend was telling me about her appearance. I think it was on, uh, it's been a minute, 
with Sam Sanders, mm-hmm. um, where like just talking about why she wants to like why she play, likes to play characters like this and why she makes these choices. And I, um, and she came. She seems to come at it from an interesting perspective. So like not being. It's one example of how not needing to work or not needing to worry about breaking through or playing the ingenue, like, actually works out. It makes you think about what interesting, cool choices everybody else could be making if they weren't constantly terrified about their financial security. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) We we could be doing a lot of cool shit, guys, if we weren't afraid of starving and losing our apartments every single day. Which, weirdly enough, is absolutely part of the point of Zola. Right? Because they're going on a road trip to go dancing, and in the end, this young woman tells an epic, like, an unbelievably engaging, like, story. Their mission is to... creativity, like... Yeah. (laughs) Their mission is to, in the words of Cousin Greg, uh, make some shmoney. Make some shmoney. Uh, so I'm sorry. Oh my god! Remember when I like jokingly said we should talk about Zola in the good news section, and we absolutely did. Um, I love that decision. So I wanted to talk about Zalia Avangard, uh, who is the 14 year old uh, girl from New Orleans who won the 2021 Scripps National Spelling Bee on Thursday night. Um, she became the Bee's first African-American champion in 96 years. So obviously everybody was super impressed. They were like, she's brilliant. How great. But then turns out she's also a fucking genius at basketball. <laughs> mm-hmm. And all of these videos were put up online of her like, just like her crazy footwork when she's like dribbling and like she can do a bunch of like cool tricks with the ball and stuff like that. Um, but she's a genius on multiple levels. It turns out she's like the coolest person alive. Yeah. And uh, yeah, somebody they were interviewing her about what she wants to do. And she's like, well, I want to go to Harvard and I could do this, but I also want to play basketball. <laughs> and then they're like, well, you know, they asked her some question and she said, well, I'm just good at everything I do. <laughs> I love that confidence but so much. And it's just fucking true. That's like her. I was going to say fact. it's yeah. accurate. Like it's not even confidence. She's just stating reality. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And I'm um, like, good for you. Go on. She should absolutely say that she's good at everything because she's literally good at everything. Uh, yeah. She's just like, I don't know. Whenever you see like a uh, a human being sort of like level up like her, it's really exciting. Like it's just it's like, man, you could literally do anything. The only reason I wouldn't want her to go to Harvard is Harvard doesn't have a good basketball team. <laughs> it's like, I want to see you do both, you know? I know. Although, to be fair, since she probably already understands the ins and outs and intricacies of the way that the NCAA exploits athletes, Mm -hmm. maybe she wants to go someplace where she knows she can play, but also get an education yeah she that that would be the only thing where it's like yeah you want to make the choice i love that we're considering this like we're her parents like i i would want her to go somewhere where she could like set up her future as as securely as possible and that would probably be like yeah academia where it's like go somewhere where you can learn a bunch of cool shit and then i don't know go be brilliant in a in a field and be totally dominant um and then, like, play basketball on the side. Because <laughs> that would be I mean, cool. Just, just, I just hope that 
things go well for her. Yeah. And I mean, you know. she, like whatever she does, she's going to be the best at it. So it's like, she's fine. She'll be great. Um, but yeah, like what a, what a cool little person, like seeing, uh, how she's like literally good at everything was like, that's so cool. Like as yeah. someone who's like barely adequate at like two things, seeing someone like her is like, what the fuck? It's like seeing an X-Men in the wild, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You are not. You're like the next iteration of whatever humans are going to be, like whatever direction we're moving in. You've like leveled up. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm like, I will follow you. Just, you know, leave space for me on whatever. Please uh, allow me. Please allow me to go with you. Yeah. Um, So then also in good news, I wanted to talk about um, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office charging the Trump Organization and CFO Alan Weiselberg with multiple counts of tax fraud, grand larceny, conspiracy, and falsifying business records. Um, I'm putting this in the good news section not because, and I can't reiterate this enough, not because I think Trump will ever, 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 ever go to jail. I don't think that will ever happen. But what I was hoping for after his presidency was he never has a moment's peace and that the feds absolutely never stop coming for him and um, consistently pull his people into court. And that's what's happening. So I'm going to put this in the good news section. It was really, really good to see Alan Weiselberg in handcuffs. (laughs) And it's just another wonderful thing, and he can get so mad about mm-hmm. it, but it's going to keep happening. And yep. as long as he is out here seeing every arbitrary delusional deadline that he sets, that is time, you know, by this time I will be reinstated as president because I am the real president. And every time one of those goes by and another person gets arrested, oh, it just feels so good. They're estimating. Next off, we just have to watch Ivanka like <laughs> go down in flames. Oh, that'll be so fun. Oh man, and Don Jr. Anytime you see Don Jr., he is coked out of his fucking mind. He off is just his rocker. Off his rocker. It is just like a matter of minutes till he spectacularly implodes in public. I can't wait. Did you see? I forget what stupid event he was emceeing, but it is like the most agonizing monologue you'll ever see where it's just joke after joke dying and at one point he looks to the right like he thinks there's like a sidekick or someone that's going to come save him and there's nobody there Meredith and then he just goes back into bad joke after bad joke that is getting no response from people who want to like him that's how bad he is um But it's great. It's that, great. It's if you like watching like cringe humor stuff, do go watch that. Um, God, amazing! I will. I love to see <laughs> him in particular having a really hard time because uh, Lord knows he's a little weasel. Yeah, but prosecutors are estimating, uh, and they keep saying Wiles- Weiselberg evaded, but like it's the Trump Organization. Weiselberg's just the one who's falling on the sword right now. But they evaded five hundred fifty-six thousand dollars in federal taxes a hundred and six thousand in state taxes and two hundred thirty eight thousand dollars in new york city taxes so like (sighs) they are never ever ever going to stop coming for them and if you can take comfort in that which i think you should because there's nothing a, a person like trump hates more than a people claiming that he's not worth as much money as he claims he is and b 
inconveniencing him on like a daily basis, then you should be happy about this story because you know it is infuriating him. Yes. And I like, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but I am a huge believer in uh, making life miserable for people who suck. (laughs) I don't think you ever have said that on the show, but I'm glad you're on record now. Well, I mean, it's the Scorpio rising in me. Um, Yeah. Uh, Well, on that note, (laughs) on the note of Scorpio rising, um, if you are a Scorpio, I hope you are having a transcendent period in your life right now. Thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, oh, while you're at it, follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Is there anything you want to plug? Uh, not right now. I've got a few stories that I've been doing some work on, like research and fact checking that I will be coming out soon, but I will plug them when they are online. Hell yeah. I guess I should say too, I'm I'm producing some stuff that will drop eventually that I'll plug on the show as well. But um, yeah, follow us both on all the social medias and thanks for listening. If you're a supporter of mine, thank you so much. If you're not a supporter yet, you can go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, or lighttreason.news to support the show. We're 100% listener supported. That's why you don't hear any commercials on this show. You are the show. So thank you so much. And while you're at it, if you're vaccinated, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>